Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talking, they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, James, and Joe. It's a little <laughs> back in the studio. It's tonight. a little you lighter in up? here, a little less stinkier this week. It feels a lot cooler in here. Yeah. A lot less body heat. <laughs> well, a lot of less, a lot less jaws jabbering uh, well, last, before the show. Last week, Ryan wasn't exactly friendly to the room. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> well, we got a lot to cover on this week's show. The Ravens. Finally kick off the season, keep their preseason streak alive. Who cares? Uh, We do have some depth and bubble questions headed into game two. Yeah, I'm interested to get your take on a few things there. And uh, the Crusher, he announces his retirement for the Orioles, and it's uh, musical chairs still at the organization. Nothing's nil. Yeah, rosters are changing. People are coming up. People are going down. You got... People f- moving around on all the different rosters through the organization. The, the Norfolk bus is getting, uh, it's running out of gas. We're going to need to start gas <laughs> yeah. fund. Uh, no shell and tell this week is Ryan's quarantining, uh, and we are scheduled to record an episode virtually tomorrow night for nice. the shell and tell. So for those Terp fans out there, be on the lookout for that a new episode. And in this week's rundown, we're talking expensive baseball cards, a movie like ending to the Field of Dreams. It was it was made for TV, made yeah. for a movie, and an almost perfect starting debut. And I know that we're also James is going to get into a quick little thing on a uh, star over in Europe. Interesting. It's making a lot of money now. All right. Well, before we do too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work on an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation just like I have, we all know Drew hasn't, uh, <laughs> give our team an MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. It all adds up quickly and can potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including Oriole tickets, which I'm sure pretty much everybody are giving away at this point, and maybe a Ravens game in the future. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, fellas. It's time for some flock talk. Yeah. As, uh, like I said, the Ravens keep the preseason streak alive with a 17-14 to 14 win over the Saints. Who gives a shit? It's the preseason. Exactly. Who cares? We all... Your number ones weren't out there. Yeah. You, you, like, there were injuries galore. Like, yeah, it's just just leave it alone. It's great. Is it great for the organization? Is it, is it a cool stat? No. Not even that. Sure, maybe-ish. Nope. I lost money. Well, I think, so I I like think you game. lost money on it. Yeah. Just what were you putting baby. money on a preseason game <laughs> yeah, for? No. That's your fault. Nah, it was just, it was just uh, guys at work. You know, I was like, hey, you know, 10 bucks, you know, you think they're going to lose. If you ever want to just give away your money, I'm your guy. Give me a call. Yeah. Anytime, James. I'll take that money from you any day. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, again, it's a preseason game. Uh, credit to our boy Kevin on uh, – on Twitter with the the help with the show title, Bubble Wrap Season. 
players are continuing to kind of drop like flies with injuries. Fortunately, some of these injuries aren't going to be long-term. So I think everybody at Flock Nation, let's take a deep breath. I know a lot of us are in panic yeah. mode right now. As, I mean, this week, uh, today, Marlon, Marlon ends up going down, slipped in some one-on-one -on -one drills. Uh, sounded scary at first, obviously, with all the rash of injuries that we've had. Marlon Humphrey's your cornerstone. He's your franchise player, right? He's your best cornerback, not just on your team, but top three in the league. He's not number two or three, the last, in my opinion. The, the last phrase you want to hear, Marlon goes down. That's the last phrase you want to hear. Yeah, exactly. I ended up limping off the field. There were some reports out there. Uh, mild strain in the core groin area actually sounded kind of very similar to Rashad Bateman's Bateman, yeah. injury status at first. It's not expected to be serious. Uh According to, you know, the reports out there so far. Yeah, I, I think the, the other thing to think about this, right, and this just goes to, you know, regardless, you, you have some guys that are going to get some more practice time at, you know, at the cornerback position. Um, you know, we already know we have a lot of depth. And that was one of the things I did want to bring up real quick about the preseason game is that I, I forget who it was that said it. Uh, but he was asking, you know, what does it say about, you know, all, all these the, this record and everything? And he said what it's what it says to me is our is the depth of this organization. Yeah. Right. As a whole, that you're able to put that together with guys who really don't go out there on an everyday basis. A lot of these guys are trying for a spot. They're vowing for a spot. Some yeah. of these guys don't even wind up on rosters. They wind up on practice squads and they're lucky if they ever see a roster. Right. So th the fact that you can do that with guys, so many guys like that, because we know that most of them are playing. I thought it was a good statement. I thought and it was, it was real eye opening because we all, we joke around and we say, yeah, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do it's preseason. But for those guys, I mean, this is their life in their, in their hands. So that, that is impressive that we have that many guys that are able to come in in two and three and sometimes, sometimes forced, forced during guys that are still able to put up everything. Yeah, and I mean, Wink made the comment today about Anthony Averett uh, saying that he's their number three quarterback, a cornerback in his eyes, that he is basically an all-pro in the waiting. Yeah. Uh, well, so he again, may be the number three quarterback, too, because Trace McSorley <laughs> went down with the back spasms. That is true. That is true. Uh, tomorrow starts joint practices with the Panthers uh, as – get back into doing that and we got the preseason game number two uh coming up this saturday with the panthers yeah and, and some of the roster moves uh wasn't su fully surprised by uh, by a few of these um they they waved aaron adoye uh and then Devonte harris which that one was the one i think was the most surprising just for the yeah. simple fact that he you know he was showing promise i think the thing that hurt him was last year if you remember when they utilized him late in the season, he was getting picked on bad. Yeah, but he played pretty well, I think. In the in the last part of that season, I think he played well. Uh, he showed enough that he's going to find a role somewhere else. He was already claimed, I believe, earlier today. I'm not even sure who he was claimed by. Was it uh, San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, San Francisco put in a claim for him. Okay. Uh, so he, you know, well wishes to him, man. It's 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 just uh, yeah. a numbers game hey, at but, this point. But real quick, I love how people get on the uh, Twitter and social media, and they're like. Oh, I hope someone picks him up. He just had a baby. <laughs> I had a baby too, you know. Like, <laughs> James, man, pick me up. Pick the man, me up. man already got no. The man already got enough money to get by. Okay, yeah. like you know, he has to get a job now. Yeah, <laughs> nah. Like you say, he found a job yeah. really quickly. Uh, it's you know, just one of those, you know, one of those things. You got a lot of young guys at the position that are showing strong through pre through mm -hmm. training camp, through so far, and through the first preseason game. And again, it just comes down to a numbers game. And, and you know, speaking of numbers games too, it, it was the other cut, which I wasn't surprised with at all, which was Eli Wolf. Yeah. Uh, this tight end room is, is 
you know, overstacked as it is, um, I do think it tells you which way they're they're starting to look. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, as of last week, Tomlinson's lifted on the depth chart. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, there was people thinking, oh, is it going to be Eli? I, I think we know it's not. We obviously know it's not Eli now, and we're really narrowing down to who I think it's going to be. Uh, I don't know that they carry four tight ends, and I think the other veteran in that tight end room is gone. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, again, this is going to come down to the last cuts, I think, especially yeah. at that tight end group, so we'll definitely talk more about that. Uh, all right, but let's let's take a look at this Saints game because we haven't had a chance to really okay. discuss this. Obviously, it's kind of weird. I actually like the fact that this was a Saturday game. I wish <laughs> there was more NFL games on a Saturday, but obviously, I know that conflicts with college football and everything. Wah, wah, wah. It was cool. It probably, you know, it was a seven o'clock game. You didn't feel like you had to get up early for work the next day. It was nice. You know, you go out there and hang out. I will say this: uh, the stadium vibe uh, was cool. It, it had all the the typical preseason vibe. The cr- the crowd was into it for like the first two or three drives, and then it was kind of blah. Um, you know what's interesting? ESPN had the attendance at seventy thousand. I was like, that's, are you freaking kidding? That's me? how many sold tickets there were. Right. There were seventy thousand, but then people well, couldn't no, give it, them away. It, it said it said how many how many like t- paid uh, how attendance. Many, well, I guess it, yeah, I guess it's technically paid attendance, which yeah. is so stupid because if you don't actually if it's not checked at the gate, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be considered attendance. Nah, they're just looking at ticket sales. And yeah. yes, they had seventy thousand seats, but I would say that stadium was probably three quarters of the way full, I was, I was and that's probably 20. being friendly. Uh, three quarters of the way full is where I saw it. Okay, uh, for those that are are, are questioning or have questions about like the mask policy uh they are supposedly (laughs) enforcing you to wear your mask while you're in like the concourse area uh while you're in the bathrooms getting food that kind of thing but i'll be honest with you i would say again three quarters of the people weren't wearing masks and they don't have the manpower to enforce it while you're there um, so, I mean, you know, take that with what you will and do what you're going to do, but uh, it doesn't seem like they were enforcing it in any kind yeah, of way. Yeah, it's going to be the struggle, and I, I don't think we have it in any of our rundowns or anything, but uh, I think you were the one that broke the news to all of us today with the Raiders uh, being the first team to jump yeah. out and say, you know, you're going to have to show proof of vaccination using the clear program, yep. which is the same program that you're using at airports, by the way. So for anybody that's wondering, it, it's airport, and actually most of the stadiums started using it. <laughs> Nick says we were all social distancing at the stadium. That's exactly yep. Exactly right. Yep. Everybody was six feet away from each other. That's right, Nick. I like your way you yeah, think. So. All right. Well, let's like I said, let's talk a little bit about this Saints game. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball because oh, oh, this- Fred, Fred, before before you get into that, my friend. Okay. I think there's something we need to do. You need a bowl of lucky charms? What's happening? I think we need to pray to the patron saint of defense. What's saint, happening right now? Saint Wink. Saint Wink. <laughs> He Same has week. six. Turn- he turns six turnovers Wait, with that Conor defense. Conor McGregor. <laughs> I was about to say. I don't know if Conor's going to come out and punch me in the face or what's I'm happening right Boondock now. I'm thinking Boondock Saints. There we go. Somebody got Boondock it. Boondock Saints. There it is. Jesus. I get you. There we go. I like it. No, you're right. I mean, uh, he's the he is the patron saint of defense to do with what he did with so many guys that weren't starting. Six turnovers, and it, it goes with the depth of the turnovers too. Yeah. You were having turnovers. You were having late effect, and I know it's against you know it's threes against threes. Yeah. But our threes made their threes look just freaking silly. Yeah, I mean, he had the chain out, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. He talked about it today, man. He's like, listen, I'll, I'll bring out whatever chain you need me to if it's going to get six turnovers in a game. Garnett's joining on. Namaste, Garnett. <laughs> <laughs> Drippy wink. I like it. Six turnovers, three in the first quarter alone. 
you know, there were, there were a lot of things that you could take away from this defensive performance. There were a few people uh, that stood Standouts, out. Yeah. We'll talk about the ones first. Uh, Patrick Queen, I think, mm-hmm. was a standout in this game. And, and for multiple reasons. Obviously, he had the sack uh, on Taysom Hill, which Taysom Hill is not an easy guy to bring down. He's strong. He's quick. He's athletic, right? That's part of it. But uh, as Sarah Ellison kind of pointed out, where you see his game improve is in his ability to read a play. Yes. And he yes. was able to run down the running back in the flats before they got any kind of a gain on it. I think it would end up being like a one or two yard loss. But his explosion and ability to read that play and diagnose yeah. it as it happened, that's where I think he gets three thumbs up if I could give three because he 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 did a phenomenal job and I hope that that continues. You, you can tell he he's he's put himself through work and he he's gotten a lot better in that sense. Another guy that like it's a I don't want to say it's surprising because I think we kind of have seen it out of him. It was surprising last year when the Ravens actually dropped him and that's Geno Stone yeah. because Geno in this game three tackles with two interceptions. One of them with a great sliding catch off a tip, yeah. which was perfect timing, perfect placement, and awareness to not just you know stand there. Your guy's got a, a beat on the ball. If he doesn't get it, you want to be somewhere around it, and he was, and it worked out in our favor. Yeah, I, it's kind of where I was going to go with the Geno thing. He, he, listen, he had a good game, and I hope that this gives him the confidence that he needs to continue to build on that and get mm-hmm. better and better. He was kind of in the right place at the right time on both of those plays, but you still got to be able to make it, and he did. Uh, so it's a big game for him. He was a guy that, uh, you know, was his seventh-round pick, I think, last year, sixth-round pick. He was a late-round pick uh, and showed flashes in the preseason, but then the Ravens ended up giving up on him, goes to Houston, tell, tell me and why. back. Tell me why I just think you called him a squirrel. A squirrel? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut. I mean, you know. Or a clock's right. right. finds two. Even a clock's right half to, <laughs> Listen, twice I'm, a day. I'm not taking anything away from him. Listen, two picks is two picks. Good on you. Uh, it's just, you know, again, you got to be in the right place at the right one, time. One earlier in the game, one a little later in the game. I mean, it wasn't like he was, I mean, he was going against twos, but it's still, it's it's something that, that we talked about depth. That's a guy that, that's, you know, good to see. So. Well, one area that I really wanted to see, and this is kind of what we talked about last week, is we wanted to really, this is where you're going to get a good glimpse of the rookies. And I know one big rookie that Joe over there has had his eye on since the day he was drafted. He was probably the only one in oh, this room <laughs> I was excited. that was excited and pumped for the pick. Obviously, the Odafe away pick, Jason yeah. away at the time, uh, didn't, you know, I think some of us had our hesitations with the, the lack of sack production and all that stuff. We didn't fully, I guess, grasp and appreciate the athletic ability that this guy had. And, man, he put it all on display, and I mean in ways that I couldn't yeah. even imagine. He was playing special teams in this in this game as a gunner, a 6'5", 250-pound outside linebacker playing gunner on special teams, and, and he's the first one down there. And had they not called a fair catch, like, <laughs> the guy that was catching it would have been toast. Oh, he'd have been done. You, imagine, been that? you imagine being like a 5'8", 5'9", wide receiver, running back back there, waiting to field a ball, and you see this guy, 6'5", 250, barreling on you? Well, have you no. seen, have no, you seen the you. video of when he like when they showed the replay and they were talking about it with the Ravens? They showed the kick, and you watch this guy look <laughs> down, look back up, look down, and then look back <laughs> up again and go, nope, fair mm. catch this shit. This guy's coming too fast. <laughs> like <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. Yep. But look, hey, what is the what is one thing? If anything, that John Harbaugh loves, he loves him a versatile player. Yeah. Especially yep. when that they're versatile on special teams. The fear that you you want to make sure that you have is that this guy is somebody that he he's gonna have to get some reps. Yeah. 
on defense. You can't you can't sit here and you know hold him for special teams, and hopefully that happens. And one of the things I thought was kind of telling about his press conference after the game, he talked about uh, some of the nerves that he had going into this game. He was worried whether his athleticism might not translate to the NFL game, you know, at game speed type thing. I think he was able to <laughs> nix that worry and not have to worry. Cause I mean, he was, he was in the backfield. He almost, You're fast, bro. You're yeah, fast. <laughs> he, he should have had a sack. He just let the, uh, Winston, I think it was Winston at the time slip out from underneath of him. Uh, but man, I'm telling you his, his speed popped in this game. So I'm super, super excited about that. Yeah. And if you're going to mention outside linebackers, you can't not mention Dalen Hayes. Cause no. Dalen Hayes again, had a big game in this game. Another guy that flashed yes. showed where, you know, showed he, progression, showed progression. He was able to get into the backfield. Another one should have had a sack, didn't yeah. wrap it up. And, uh, but that's, that's the quick progression you want out of, out of your drafted guys, right? This isn't, yeah. you know, we're, we're, when you look at last year, guys like Jalen Ferguson, right, who we were a little worried about, we weren't necessarily fully seeing what we wanted to see out of him. These guys are kind of ad, as advertised, right. right? You know, and they're showing it so far. Now, what happens if they get out there against some ones? That's what we got to see. That's what preseason is about is figuring out who, you know, who it is. And then the first few games of the season, you're doing that, too. But, you know, one of the other rookies that kind of came came out and really clinched it for him in the fourth, but showed some some good flashes. Sean Wade. Yeah. Dorsey going on IR yesterday. This really helps this kid's chances because the kid showed that he, he's some people have said he's a little bit slower, but his football, he was in the right places at the right time. And that's the that's the thing. Right. right. You can be slow, but if you're in the right place at the right time consistently, you can cover that up. Yeah, I think what he showed in this game was the thing with Sean Wade coming out of the draft was as a slot corner at Ohio State, he played great. And he would have been a top 15 pick, right? Then he doesn't go into the draft. He comes back for his senior season. They put him outside, and he looked terrible. He was a shell of himself, right? Yeah. So I thought bringing this guy in, the Ravens, this was going to be the heir apparent to Tavon Young. When Tavon Young contracts up, Sean Wade's the next guy to step in. But you're seeing him. They're seeing giving him some chances outside. Uh, he makes that big play, like you said, to clinch the game. And, you know, it's a clutch play. I don't care if it's preseason or not. It's a clutch play. Uh, so that's good. And, and, and that's a guy that I was worried. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make the roster again because of numbers. Right? right. Or they were going to do some kind of injury stash, you know, hideaway thing like <laughs> they do every year. Uh, but again, a good game for him as well. Yeah. And I know uh, there was somebody that you had your eye on in this game, other than Chris Westry, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Yeah. But. The, the kid I've been talking about since we picked him up as an undrafted free agent, Ardarius Washington, the safety out of TCU. Kid was at uh, as you advertised. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, again, smaller guy. That's the only knock on him. If you're going to give him any knock, it's, it's, it comes down to size. But you're not going to question his athleticism. You're not going to question his heart. Uh, he's got great instincts. He's still a physical player, even being 5'8", and whatever weight he is. He still throws his weight around good. He forced the fumble on that real nice hit late in that game. Um, he almost had a pick late as well. Yeah. So, again, he was kind of all over the field. That makes me that makes me feel good about the potential loss. Potential, no guarantees with this, but the potential loss of a Deshaun Elliott next year in the free agency. But again, this is a guy that if you're going to keep him, you're going to have to figure out a way to stash him in the roster because he is not a guy that I think would last on a practice squad. Yeah, no, this guy, this guy, he's it with, with some growth and some development, this guy has an, has the ability to, to, because he can be all over the place and read the defense really well. 
he's got the ability or read the offense really well. He's got the ability to be a rangy free safety. Yeah. Right. And it's exa- what have we said we need? Mm. We need that true ball hawking type free safety. Is he there yet? No, but I do see potential in this kid yeah. to have the upswing to get there. 100%. The other guy that I think a lot of people were questioning on draft day uh, was Brandon Stevens, right? Because comes out of a smaller college, SMU. Uh, he was a corner that we converted over from running back, and then the, he played corner in college, and then the Ravens had drafted him with the potential to be a safety. So we weren't really even sure where this yeah. guy fit in, right? And I think the Ravens used a fourth or fifth round pick on him. Um, but again, had a very good game. Seven tackles in this. He had the half a sack. Yeah. Uh, he got a pressure early on that forced a pick. Mm-hmm. So another kid, another young guy. Listen, so far, these rookies are making an impact, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah, they're showing out, and they're, they're doing exactly what you want them to do, especially our, or especially guys like Stevens. I think, you know, the people that, that do question this kid, I don't think, you know, nobody in this room, I think, questioned Stevens. I think we saw the potential there. Yeah. Um, I think the question was more so, could we have gotten him later? I don't. I don't know that you could have. I think somebody else would have would have taken this kid because he does have potential, um, and he showed it in this game. I'd like to see him get some earlier snaps just to see what he does against more of the twos, um, right. and, and see what he can what he can really pull pull out there. It's still but early. It's a small sample size. It, it was one game, but listen, it's their first taste of NFL football, and to come out and play the way that those rookies did, to me tells a lot about them, tells a lot about their character, how much battle-tested yeah. they were at the collegiate level. So all showed out well. Well, the one guy that, you know, we all picked a, a, a group or a guy that last week that we said we had our eyes on in this yeah. game. So what did you see out of Chris Westry in this game? Everything that we've been seeing in practice. Okay. I mean, he showed his, his amazing athleticism. He can close and recover in a flash for being somebody his size. It's you just you don't get that rare combination often. The speed, the ability to close at six four, like he is. Like I said before, he is similar to Jimmy in Jimmy's yeah. earlier days from that standpoint. Um, there's a lot to like right now about the depth at cornerback and Chris Westry, a hundred percent is making a case for this roster. It's, I hate to be the Ravens because listen, if, if, if knock on wood, all of these injuries, we avoid them in the secondary. Cause you know, that's kind of our kryptonite. We always end up having injuries, especially in the preseason to our secondary. If we can avoid that. The Ravens are going to be in a very tough situation as to who they keep because a lot of these guys are playing really well. Well, thank you to David. How much is it, the rookies? God? How much is it, Again. Wink? How much is it, Wink being Wink? <laughs> I, look, I love oh, it. Every time we see Wink, I'm going to start doing that. Uh, but no, it's look, and that's a great point, though, right? How much of this is rookies? How much of this can you put on EDC and his his ability to get value out of guys, right? And, right. and especially draft guys and undrafted guys. Um, th- that's one of the things you have to you have to kind of look at and, and say it's a combination. I think of, of of the two or three of them. It's the scouting. It's EDC's it choice, it and it comes down to Wink. It, I think this year it was really Wink. What I think Wink actually had a big say in some of these in some of these draft. Picks I'm sure he did. Yeah, because he's like I can do a lot with this kid. I can do a lot with this kid, yeah. and I think that they they really look at it because he is the patron saint 
of the defense. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> sure is this is going to be an ongoing thing now. <laughs> sure is not Rob Ryan. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I think you hit it on the I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, yeah. it's three phases. It's Eric DaCosta putting the right pieces in place. It's Wink using those pieces and then the players being able to execute. Uh, again, Great job either way. I started scouting. something in the chat room. Garnett's going all hit wink now. <laughs> we got I'm going to get a wink shirt. Oh, I'm not even going to say it. I'll tell you guys after the show. We're going to do it. Oh, God. Here we we're going to do it. Another shirt that we're going to get copyright infringement on. Nope, nope. We're okay. going to talk to wink. We're going to work this out with wink. All right. I'm going to get right. wink to wear it. Let, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball wasn't as pretty as the defensive side was. Uh, they, they obviously struggled early behind poor offensive line play uh, and McSorley. But before we judge too harshly about the offense, let's remember they played this game without a bunch of players. They played this game without Lamar, without Hollywood, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Gus the Bus, Stanley, Zeitler. You had limited snaps with Villanueva and Bozeman. So, yeah, that's a good portion of your starting offense that did not play in this game. Uh, so let's pump the brakes on being too uber critical with how this offense performed. We also considering the situation. You also didn't mention that uh, Ben Cleveland goes down with a concussion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like it, there, there's there's a lot that happens there. But with that being said, one of the things that I was very surprised with, because I thought they would get him, you know, just in a, li a little bit of game flow. Lamar doesn't see one snap in this game. Mm hmm. And rightfully so. Okay. Behind, again, your twos and threes on the offensive line, mm -mm. I'm not putting my franchise quarterback out there, my future $40-plus million man out there in the first preseason game. I don't care if it's for one drive, two drives, the first quarter. It's, it's, okay. To me, it's not worth the risk. I think Lamar can get that same kind of work in the second or third preseason game uh, when the guys come back and they're a little bit more healthy and you've got your first stringers out there. Because honestly, you want the best protection out there, one. And two, you want all the weapons out there that he's going to be working with. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. I'm okay. Okay. From a fan's perspective, yeah, it sucked not being able to see Lamar out there play. Of course, you always want to see Lamar out there. I, guess, I just didn't think the risk reward was worth it. I guess considering he missed, what, a week and a half? Worth of worth of reps, right? Uh, and that's that's the, that's the that other was part the of it. surprise. Now I know that he did suit up. Uh, all the guys suited up pregame, got out there, worked it out a little bit, and then you know most of your starters went back and you know took everything off, right? But it was just a, it was a little surprising to see that that was the case. But we're getting into quarterback talk right away here because people are are looking at Trace, they're looking at, at Tyler Huntley. It's a battle by the numbers. Tyler Huntley in this game kind of showed showed up right mm -hmm. the thing is that everybody needs to remember he was going against threes and fours trace was more so going against twos a few ones the saints really didn't have a lot of their ones out there either yeah, mostly twos mostly twos but it, it's it's kind of one of those okay is he that good or is he that good against threes honestly though so part of it was the offensive play calling early on was part part of it Second yeah. part is that offensive line was so bad they couldn't get any push, so the run game couldn't get anything going, right? Uh, again, Trace McSorley, from what we heard after the game, apparently was dealing with back spasms. So if anybody knows anything about bad backs, I've had back spasms, and they suck. I don't know how the hell this guy was ever out in an NFL field. I don't know if that was an excuse. Harb's not one to give excuses. 
cortisone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever the shot they gave him, they gave him something. He managed to go out there and play. I don't think McSorley had as bad a game as some people wanted to paint the picture. No, was it no. great? No, it wasn't great. I don't think Huntley's game was great. And when you look at the stats, they're pretty similar outside of the yeah. one interception. Outside of the one interception, by the, McSorley threw. by the numbers, Huntley's numbers were better. And I'll yeah. put that in quotes, but there really wasn't a lot to do. Now, it, A, you're not really going to get a true fact because McSorley, as we learned this week, he's probably going to be out for uh, at least two weeks or so um, with the back issues and flaring up again, having right. some more issues. So we're not going to see Huntley this year. Shout out to our boy at Game Medicine on Twitter as well. Uh, a friend of the uh, show. He keeps us in the loop all the time. Keeps us updated on the latest injuries, news around the Ravens. So appreciate you. It looks like you're tuned in today, man. Appreciate all the updates as always with and he that. says it was a grade two back strain on trace yeah that's serious yeah. i mean that's like i said i can go out and do a little bit of shoveling and tweak something in my back and i'm definitely not going out there and throwing balls around there's no way my back so, hurts from carrying this show while you oh, were gone jesus christ Ugh. there we go <laughs> <clears throat> but listen like i said i just didn't think he played as bad as he as everybody made it out to be considering the circumstances he's still 11 of 18 for 86 yards uh, he rushed the ball for four rushes for 25 yards, so a 6.3 average. You compare that to Huntley. Huntley was 12 of 16 for 79 yards, seven rushes for 43 yards. He did have that 17-yard scramble that looked very similar to a Lamar scramble. Like So visually, I get it. It looks like a seamless transition when you go from Lamar to a Tyler yeah. Huntley. You know, I understand visually that looks better. But again, I just don't think McSorley did as bad considering the circumstances. No, and the other thing that people don't are, are forgetting. Huntley is still QB two though. The people that are forgetting are, are like paying attention is when you look at that situation with the interception versus Huntley's fumble, right? Huntley's fumble was a big thing that happened, and for them, they Harbs when they went on when they did it through the, the through WBAL, yeah, they showed Harbs. Come here. Yeah, gave him the finger. Come gave here. Him the old finger. You come Nobody here. Nobody wants that finger. No, and it was you could tell. Now it, I will. I don't know if maybe he saw the same thing that uh, the, the booth saw, but one of the things that the booth immediately jumped to was they were like, they, he didn't tuck it. He didn't tuck it. In slow mo, he did tuck it. He just didn't secure it. There's a difference. You got to get that secured. Right. I don't know what you know what John said to him. But I think it was probably Tuck, and then they started talking, and you could see John's tone change a little bit. You just got to get rid of there. that. You got to get rid of that ball. You got to get down, whatever. Just yeah. you can't take that kind of a hit. And that's that's one of the biggest differences between Lamar and and Huntley is Lamar's ability to not take a hit, to know when to get down, and know when to get rid of the ball. But Lamar, you know, Lamar took some hits early in his in his career too. Not as bad, right? And but he would also leave the ball. Think about some of the the oh yeah some of the the fumbles that we saw out of Lamar. Yep. It's very very similar and that's you know it kind of leans you to say who's the more plug and play guy it's definitely at this point from what we've seen it's Huntley so I gotta go to the Penn State fans just to get your guys overall opinion I'll start with you Joe how did you feel McSorley looked like in this game I think he looked pretty good the one pass he did where he got nailed in the chest and completed it that that was good because you can take a hit right but to me the if you compare interception and the fumble, I think the fumble was worse. I mean, I'm watching the game live at home, and I'm like, holy shit, he just blew out his knee or something. It looked that bad. Like, yeah. it quick speed. Once they slowed it down, it wasn't as bad. But, I mean, I think they both both guys looked average, honestly. Yeah, yeah. like I said. And you need a better uh, – you need better than average as a backup now. Right, yeah. And I, I like both guys, so we'll see. All right, James, what did you think on uh, McSorley and Huntley? I think uh, McSorley didn't look too good. I don't know if it was his back or not. Didn't look like him as usual. But uh, Huntley, he looked good. 
I, I think he's faster than Lamar. But and really? bigger. So there's a difference between straight line speed because I, I agree with this. And this is I actually got in a debate with this with somebody else off air. I think straight line speed, there are a few people on the Ravens that are faster than Lamar in oh, a straight yeah. line speed. It's it's his elusiveness, his quick twitch start and stop that separates him from everybody else. And that's where he is a better, yeah. you know, runner than than a Huntley. Right. But yeah. also like I, I'm like Give this out to uh, Garnett. He posted. Yeah. He goes, if the line was horrible with Trace, it did. It definitely got worse with Huntley. And Huntley looked. I think he looked good. And to me, I think it's going to be a one-two with with Huntley. And certainly, as a Penn State guy, he's either going to be out or stash somewhere. Yeah. Oh, well, if he doesn't wind up on the IR with this injury, that could be a way that they wind up stashing him for a little while because um, people aren't going to get the you know get full tape on him and, and have him be able to do it. But you brought up O-line, and James, you know, you talked last week about the yeah. O-line, and you were, you know, that's where you were looking. You know, you had two potential starters to begin the game in Bozeman and Villanueva. They get limited snaps, but yeah. but what did you see, since you were looking at it, what did you see out of the O-line in this game? It looked like almost like last year. Like, I worry at times, like, we need our line to be healthy. We need to have our our um, line there for Lamar on a daily basis to get continuously rep to be able to be a Super Bowl continue, contender because if you looked at what happened to the the um, the Chiefs they didn't have their line Mahomes is running around for yeah. daylight and that could be Lamar too and he's one of the only quarterbacks in the NFL talking about Mahomes that could do that you know what I mean yeah. and be able to still win a game or make plays yeah you know? uh, and, and who is it that just said this uh, Craig. Credit to Craig here. I love it. We're so just we were talking about Lamar real quick. When Lamar runs, he's like the grease guy from Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I like it. it. I like, I like it. it. Uh, but yeah, just the, the. I think the biggest thing that came out of this game for me, I have more questions than when we went into the game. As far as that offensive line, offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I still think this unit, when it's healthy could be one of the better offensive lines in the league when healthy. But that's a big question mark. And in this game, it showed you you're one or two injuries away from going from a top-flight offensive line to a bottom-five offensive line real quick. So, like, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. My concern with that statement is you're talking about an offensive line that doesn't know who they really have at right guard. Left guard, the guy that you thought was going to come in and steal the spotlight, now is out in concussion well, right and wasn't guard, actually doing it. Right guard is going to be Zeitler. That's what I'm saying. When this line is offense is is fully healthy, you're going to have Stanley at left tackle. Left guard at left guard is the one that's still kind of up in the air. Personally, I, I think that uh, oh man, the big kid they brought in from the, the rookie last year. He's been playing swing tackle. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Tyree, Tyree Phillips. Phillips. Okay. I think he looked good at left guard. Okay. Ultimately, that's going to be Ben Cleveland's spot. But I think to start the season, Tyree Phillips should be our left guard. I think he plays better. That just goes to show they need right. More but you, you talk about Stanley. That's guy coming off an injury. You don't know what you really have there. That's why you I don't said know healthy. what you're doing. I said right. healthy. I, yeah, I, I understand that. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you're you're making a bold statement that this could be the the best. Yeah, it, it very well could be. The problem is 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 from end to end. Zeitler, I guess at this point, you're saying is you think he's the lock on right guard. Yeah. If, if he's the veteran that they brought in to si yeah. solidify that right guard spot. Yeah, and they've also talked about rotating him Phillips over there too. So that's that's another thing that's there. So okay, now if he's your one guy, Villanueva, we've been hearing in practice hasn't looked the greatest because partially because he shifted from left tackle to right tackle. Mm -hmm. Now you're starting to see how valuable it was to have a tackle that could play good on either side, mm -hmm. right? 
You got a, 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 your other tackle who's coming off an injury that you're you really got to protect him. This is this is a guy that you you gave money to to be a, your future left tackle, and he goes down. You need him to you need him to be healthy. You can't put him in situations I, that he's there. Well, he doesn't do you any good sitting in the sidelines he, and, and sitting in the garage. You got to use him. I agree, but there, what I'm saying is is that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of what ifs in this. Yeah. Right. What if he's what back healthy? What if they stay healthy and what if they all come back healthy for week one is a big what I, if. But that's that's where that I That is the biggest what if. Though. I know, but that's where I'm coming from. I just from. want to say I think it's a lot better for him to have an ankle injury compared to a knee injury. I think you can come back a lot better and and be better from an ankle injury compared to a knee. I think knee you're putting more weight on it. You gotta you can tweak it real easy. So I think I think he'll be fine. He looks good at practice. So far, the reports are that he's been practicing well. That things are going good. They're slowly kind of ramping him back up. So that's that's a good sign. Uh, yeah, as they mentioned, Bradley Bozeman went down in this game with a minor uh, ankle sprain that he was dealing with. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be your starting center. Tristan Cologne played pretty well in this game in his absence. We didn't see any issues with snaps, did we? No, throughout the, throughout the game, there were, there were a few high snaps, nothing crazy, nah, but there were a I few. See, I didn't see anything out of the there. There were a few outside of this zone. Okay, well, that's a big improvement over where they were last year, so <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, I just, I, I think that this offensive line again has potential. They just need more tackle depth. I'm not worried about guard depth at all. I think we've got plenty of pieces that could fill in at guard and be fine. We need more tackle depth. Maybe. Down the road, we take some of these riches that we have at corner if we stay healthy at that position and turn those into trade pieces for offensive line help. Maybe that's a thing where you get a team that's got a couple extra tackles or that might have a guy that's on a, you know, a veteran deal or something that they want to get rid of a contract, and maybe we pick up that trade and bring in that veteran backup at offensive tackle. I'd like to see that too. Yeah, I definitely would like to see them do that. I think it's it's going to be a big question mark if they can do that. And, you know, really it's going to, like I said, it's, it's going to come down to them getting healthy. Now you mentioned watching a certain positions group uh, mm -hmm. that's yeah. got a variety of people fighting for one roster spot essentially and that's the tight end three yeah what roster spot yeah what did so, you see? so last week they they put out that they're they put out the depth the first depth chart that mm -hmm. we've seen and they had tomlinson listed as number three and then they had the two guys the other two guys that i was saying to watch in oliver and paul jen mm -hmm. that would be the guys that you know bubble type guys i think we're seeing more and more that the ravens are looking at oliver heavily yeah and they should be. heavily um, you know, Oliver in this game, he has four receptions on six targets for 22 yards, um, 51 snaps in this game. Mm -hmm. Highest out of any of our tight ends. So great to see. Eli Wolf was on the lower end, but he had um, he, he dropped and it shows his, it, with them dropping him and him with the drop. I, I think it just goes to show that they're they're kind of looking past the these veterans at this point, which is why I'm a little worried about Thomas. Thomason gets 15 snaps. I think maybe a little bit of that is, you know what you're getting with Tomlinson, right? Thomas is definitely more of the the pass blocking tight end than he is the receiving tight end. Uh, it, so that's in the tight end group. It's going to depend upon a couple of things. What you do with Nick Boyle? What's Nick Boyle's status and health, right? Because obviously he is lead blocker number one. And how do you utilize him? Right. And then number two, what do you want out of that tight end three? Do you want to bring in another Hayden Hurst kind of player? Because if you want to bring in another Hayden Hurst kind of player, Josh that's Oliver 100%. Yeah. Yeah. If you want another blocking tight end because you're worried about, you know, uh, yep. 
Boyle. Boyle coming back healthy. <laughs> God, name's slipping me. Boyle coming back healthy, then yeah, you're going to want a guy, keep a guy like Tomlinson around because you're going to want that ability to block. Well, Tomlinson, like I said, in this game, 15 snaps. Uh, you know, one of the things that he's, Garnett says we need Oliver. I agree. I don't know that they'll carry four tight ends. I don't think it no. makes sense. Um, so do you try to figure out something with Tomlinson? You know, he does have a, maybe a little bit of value. Is he going to get you anything crazy in return? I really don't think so. No. Um, so there are people saying, oh, tra- you could trade him if you want to keep Oliver. I, you're not going to be able to trade him. Nobody's going to be willing to trade. They're going to wait till you drop him yep. or you're going to have to stash him on like an IR type situation for it to even happen. I just don't think it's there. One interesting in the de- thing in the depth chart, we talked about when they drafted Ben Mason, they said that they were drafting him as a tight end. Mm-hmm. He came out as a fullback two on the yeah. depth chart. Nowhere on the tight end depth chart at all. Uh, interesting, you know, that they go this route. I don't, know that with that happening two fullbacks is crazy to me put them i'm saying put them on your practice squad if somebody wants to take them they can they can have them i'm sure you can find you know one or two other guys to be able to to come in and do something similar but I, i just don't see him fitting into this at any point I do expect to see a little bit more use out of uh, Paul John next week. Um, he's looked good in practice. Yeah, he, he's looked good. Made some impressive catches this past week in the end zone, um, including a, a one-handed catch. Uh, he got seven offensive snaps against the against the Saints. He did have, I think, uh, two, maybe three um, on special teams, but it really wasn't a lot. So I'm curious to see what they do out of him. I really, if I'm being honest, out of what I've seen, I think I would have made my decision at this point, unless I'm worried, super worried about Nick Boyle. I, I think I'm going Oliver, but even still, Oliver's a big physical guy. He's physical. Yeah. He was get, he was going up and getting the ball in practice. He went up and got the ball in this game once. He's athletic. I, though. I, I think I think he could if you. If you worked with him on the blocking, I don't know what his. I haven't really f- paid attention to his blocking. Yeah, I would say he's a bad blocker. I'd say he's an average blocker. He's not. Again, he's not on a boil level, but he's an average blocker. So yeah, I mean, better if, than Tebow. Yeah, <laughs> much better than Tebow. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Hey yo. Um, but no, like with Paul John, if you can stash Paul John because Paul John is is a guy that can catch, right? Mm-hmm. He's got good hands. He he could definitely be a practice squad. He's stash. A, well, he could be a practice squad stash, and then if something were to rehappen with Boyle. Now you see the shift up, Oliver right. shifting into that tight end two with Poljan being the three. I think that's what makes the most sense here. Uh, but we'll, you know, it's yet to be shown. There's still a lot to be to be seen. It's still a lot going on. Now I know he isn't here, but uh, Ryan pointed out Justice Hill last week. Yeah. What did you think? What did you see out of what they? <laughs> The, the little bit that they <laughs> utilized Justice Hill. The same old, same old with Justice Hill. He just, I haven't seen any improvement from him for the couple of years that we've had him. He's a good special teamer. I'll give him that, which obviously that has been his saving grace with John Harbaugh. But at some point, you got to bring more value than just special teams. we got enough guys on this roster right now. One that I think, and I'll talk about it later, I think his roster spot might be in jeopardy. Uh, but I, I just, I think you got to bring more value. Uh, and right now at RB three position, I think his his job is a big question mark. I think <laughs> yeah, he's a lot. Ryan, Ryan hit the nail on the head with this. You got a couple guys that came in, Williams and McCrary, that looked like better fits. They looked more explosive. Uh, they had, find the edge quicker. Yeah, they they were able to find the holes. They were able to use their speed. Uh, I liked both of those guys better than what I saw so far out of Justice. I, I liked Williams, especially when he got out to the outside and he was able to get up the sideline. Man was able. I think that he had like a 21 yard run at one point. Right. Um, he, just, he just looked good and it was really 
you know, exactly what you want to see out, out of an RB3 that can, you know, be, be flexible but still find the holes and grind when he needs to grind. Yeah. I just – I listen, he's still got two more games. I, the, the Ravens are not going to pull the plug on Justice Hill until final cuts, yeah. right? So – Westry, or I'm sorry, not Westry, uh, Williams and McCrary still have to put more tape out there. It was a small sample size. I didn't get a ton of carries, but I yeah. like what I've saw so you know, far. You know who I think I spotted in the stands at the game? Who's that? What's the name of the Vikings GM? <laughs> I think in the stands. Yeah. I think EDC should have him on speed dial. <laughs> I think he does have him point. on speed dial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Saints. Hold on. Hit it. Hit it, Scott. <laughs> oh. It, it, there's a delay. <laughs> Why well, out of too high? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, no, I mean, so to that point, <laughs> a certain special teamer, Jake Verity, the undrafted free agent kicker, like looked good in this game. Yeah. Two for two on his field goal attempts. 53 and a 42. 53 and 42. Does Eric DaCosta pull his magic again, and do we end up getting some sort of draft pick for yet another undrafted free agent kicker? I smell a trade. Yeah, I smell the trade. I smell, I smell it coming. I'd love John, to see that happen. Well, the other guy, Johnny Townsend, is someone that you could, you know, also arguably say, you know, look, he he did a pretty decent job. He did have one touchback, but he put one inside the twenty. He had three of them total. Mm. He was averaging about forty on his on his kicks, but they were also he he was kicking them from the fifty five right. right when he was kicking him. It wasn't like he was super far back. So that's one of the things is that you have to look at is is that you know Townsend is also another guy that could could bring you value. Or are you gonna? Is that a guy that you can stash and maybe sit on? And you know, we love Sam Cook. I hope he sticks around for a while. He's getting up there. Yeah. You know, it's is is that around the corner in the in the future years? Do you start looking now? Is this them looking now? The fact that you last year uh, or two years ago you brought in Kari Vedvik, right. and then this year you bring in two guys. Uh, last year, I think during preseason it was it was just Tucker and Cook doing everything. I don't remember them bringing any anybody in last year. Am I going crazy? I think Towson was there. Was yeah, Towson I'm there? I'm pretty sure Towson okay. was there, yeah. All right. Well, uh, either way, he still didn't look bad. So. No, right. And it, listen, I don't know how the Ravens do it, but somehow they tend to find these diamonds in the rough when it comes to kickers. And we've tur- they've Special turned teams into in general. multiple kickers for other teams over the years that have done successful thing other than, you know, Vedvik, who's now kicking in the CFL or where the hell he's at <laughs> at this point. But we'll take that fifth round pick. in the European, European Football what, League. What right. happens if he does well? Like, what what? What if they shop uh, Tucker for a first round? That oh, ain't happening. Christ. Get out of here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Moving on from that. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, so done game one. Wait, wait. I got something for James. Stay off the weed. <laughs> there it is. All right. <laughs> moving on to preseason game number two versus the Panthers. Obviously, uh, priority number one in this game is going to be health, health, health. Uh, first and foremost, as always. But... What is something that you're looking for out of this game? What's something that you're watching? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull James this week. It's, it's O-line. Oh, I have to see improvement out of the O-line. Yeah. I have to see it. You have to do something to validate it, especially when it comes to the ones. You can't not get Lamar out there this week because you're afraid. He needs to get some reps out in you know real game speed with this different offensive line. Right, you need to get this number one offensive line. I understand Stanley's probably not going to be out there, but you've got to get these guys out there. They have to be in that comfortable spot. Uh, to answer your question, Jesse said, "Who were they reaching out for from the Broncos? They were looking at Tim Patrick. Was the the call that they made? Tim Patrick's a wide receiver that actually was in the Ravens system a few years back. Ended up didn't have didn't get a chance here." 
went out to Denver, put together a couple of strings of, of good play out there. Uh, I think the Ravens were just looking at him because of familiarity with the system and obviously some of the question marks that we have you're, at wide receiver You're right kicking now. the tires on anything you can right now. Right, exactly. Uh, for me, in this game, I, I do want to see Lamar in this game with a caveat that I want to see at least four-fifths of that starting offensive line out there in order for that to happen. I'm not expecting Ronnie Stanley to play in this game, so there's one-fifth. I'm expecting to see Bozeman back from the injury. I just want to see uh, Villain wave out there. Zeitler's come back from his injury. And if Phillips is out there at left guard, I'm good with those four and putting Lamar out there. I'd like to see him play a quarter. I'd like to see him play yeah. a quarter and see what this actual first-string offense is going to look like minus the injuries that we've had. Um, and hopefully Hollywood can work his way back in. Yeah. The biggest thing that scares me is, the, is honestly, of anybody, it's the veteran in Villanueva. Yeah. Because we've heard the struggles on that right you side. you got to get him put, out there, though. I, I understand that. But you're, you're talking about, you know, wanting to risk Lamar. He, they said he looks like he's fumbling over his feet out there at right I guard at times. That. I haven't seen that, and I haven't heard that. I heard he was struggling early. And it is. It's an adjustment. He even admitted yeah. that. It's an adjustment. Everything is reverse. It's like the reverse. I haven't heard much recently. Let me put it that way. So right. I may be looking at week one, week two, when they were saying that, which was three weeks ago, right. by the way. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's you're going to put him out there. You better have a conversation with Villanueva. Dude, yeah. you're fucking protecting him. They just they have to get out on the field because there are a lot of pieces that are new. Villanueva and Zeitler are new, right? So they got to start working on continuity and communication and learning each other. This is all a brand new offense for these guys, right? So they're doing things that they've never done in their career. Or if they have done them, they've done them very limited, you know, in their yeah. career. Or haven't done them since college, right? It's been a long time for some of these guys. So they got to see how these guys can do. Hey, Stephanie. Stephanie, appreciate, appreciate the donation. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. a lot. Um, yeah, so... I, I want to see the offensive line out there, not only for Lamar, but again, continuity. I also want to see this running game get going. J.K. Dobbins had zero, he had nowhere to go. The offensive line got zero push in that first game. He had nowhere to go. He was a liability. You talk about being worried somebody's going to get hurt. I was afraid yeah. J.K. Dobbins was going to get hurt because the you know, offensive line couldn't block anybody. Yeah, don't be dead. Drew, Drew will be upset. Uh, right. If Drew I, makes it back to the casting couch, we'll see. I didn't know this was uh, out there, but <laughs> I didn't know Jason Peters was out there. I would love for them to bring him in, a, a one-year veteran, a big guy that can block. Right. But he went to um, Chicago. Yeah. I, I, like I said, there's, there's teams out there. They're going to be making some tough roster decisions. There are going to be some pieces that the Ravens are going to have to either – cut and get anything for yeah. or find the right trade partner and hopefully that's where they can get some of this offensive line joe depth. joe what are you looking at in this uh panthers game what are you watching out for i'm excited for the young guys um you know the hayes guy from michigan he looked phenomenal to me mm -hmm. i mean he was all over the field with oa yep. two, two big mm -hmm. 10 guys wade you know get the young guys out there flying around and uh you know tackle somebody and you know that's what i think but yeah we'll see. no i like it all right, Fred, um, what, what about you? Like, what is what is the one thing? If you can focus on one thing, what is it? Is it O-line, too? I, I'm, you know, I don't want to focus on, obviously, my, my, my main concern is the offensive line. But outside of that, I do want to see, I'm intrigued to see what continues to happen with this RB3 position. And I say that because we all know how much the Ravens run the football, right? And obviously, the bulk of those carries are going to be J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson. I get that. But 
you have to have that third running back that can spell these guys when they need and when they're on these long drives and somebody who can who can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's why they're working with J.K. Dobbins, right? Because they don't have a, as much of a receiving threat out of the backfield. Gus Edwards right. can catch the ball, but he's not a big he's receiving your power threat. Back right now. He's more of your north and south runner than he is a receiving threat. I, I want to see what these guys can bring from a receiving standpoint out of the backfield as well. Yeah, and to that point, I think, you know, with Williams and McCrary, they, they their speed, I think, is the one thing that's going to help them in that sense and right. it's going to push Justice Hill out of this out of this conversation pretty easily. All right, James, it's time for a social media shout-out. Who's been out in the chat room saying what? So we have Dave, Stephanie, uh, Game Medicine, Nick, Garnett, Craig Zero, Joe Shipley, uh, Flock Nation, Shell and Tell, Dwayne Jones, and Ryan. So Ryan's on two different channels. Yeah, I know, right? Shell and Tell. That is like, <laughs> you know, trying to get the comments I like up, it. I guess. But um, just everybody's talking about what we're talking about, um, mostly about offensive line. Um, but, yeah, like, they want to get these guys out there. And then we didn't talk much about the the wide receivers, but they're going they're going down and some are about to go out the door too. So Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Ravens do with wide receiver. Obviously, Boykin is not doing himself any favors by still sitting on the sideline. <laughs> uh the only thing that's doing him favors are the fact that there's injuries that are popping up because honestly, if this if this receiving core was healthy. He would 100% be on the outside looking right. in, but he might end up making the roster just because they don't have I enough do, guys. I do like what Bateman called out. Um, what's it, Dan Olaski? Olaski, like, yeah. Chill, dude. I'll be. We'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the kid's attitude. I love how he's just kind of embracing. Yeah, you know, Ravens flock and, and just the culture here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, since it is social media shout out, thank you again, Stephanie, for that. Uh, yeah. for those of you that do ask what, you know, donating stuff like that, if you watch the ticker down at the bottom, it has everything uh, of how to donate. So we, we do appreciate it. it just goes back to all the equipment and shit you see here. <laughs> all right, Scott, it's time for some bros, bows and O's. Yeah. Orioles now what thirty eight and something at this point. I don't even 79, know. Seventy nine. Really Seventy nine. Yikes. Yeah, it's they've, been uh, um, it's been rough. Um, they've lost a lot. Four straight series uh, in a row. Twelve in a row. Twelve straight losses in a row. Ouch. Four straight series. Swept the last three series. <laughs> it's been bad. Yeah. Current series against the Rays. Odds are in our favor because we're playing four games to not get swept again. <laughs> <laughs> like odds are in our favor. It's so uh, nice. Uh, the other thing, and they're not just losses. These are blowout losses. I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. We'll talk about that a little oh, bit later. Okay. Man. We'll we'll talk about that. How that's going. Um, Was but, that Drew's picture in the background? Yeah. No. No. Drew's picture's coming up later on. That's another <laughs> one. That would be Chris Davis's retirement beach, as you can see. Uh, well. We're, we're going to get to that in a second, too. Uh, but the other big news uh, out of today, Mountcastle, as you kind of called yeah. out before the show, you saw he's coming back tonight? Yeah, he's in the starting lineup tonight. I think uh, Mancini's a little banged up. I think he took one off the, the foot or he one off the... multiple. He's, he's, yeah, he one, takes one two. every other day off the foot. <laughs> he yeah. took two off the foot, and then rounding second, he, like, tripped over the bag. And yeah. Geez. 
it's that kind of season <laughs> for the Orioles. Uh, so, yeah, Man- Mancini's out. Mountcastle's in. He's playing first base. So good to get him back. Um, and, and hopefully he can get over this concussion thing. Because, again, concussions are so delicate. You just never know yeah. how long it's going to take for somebody to bounce back. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about a whole lot last week because it kind of came out, like, right before the show. We mentioned it, but we didn't talk about it. And I really want to get everybody's quick opinion on this. Um, Buster Olney came out last week. His comments about competitive balance um, and how bad the Orioles are. He said the Orioles are on pace to lose 106 games this season. And their previous two full seasons, they lost 115 and 108 games in 2018 and in 2019. This is unprecedented in AL history. When the players union cites non-competitive behavior, the Orioles could be used as exhibit a, it's just wrong. Is it that unprecedented? Weren't the the Astros just in the same boat not too long ago? Uh, not with hunt, not with multiple hundred plus win loss, hundred mm, loss seasons. I'm pretty think. sure if we went back and looked at it, they had consecutive? a few consecutive hundred loss seasons. Yeah, All right, we'll have to look it up. We'll, and we'll, if not, it was like 99. I mean, like yeah. that close to 100. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Buster Olney has never been a pro Oriole guy, especially a Peter Angelos guy ever since he bought the team. No. So Buster's always taking digs at the Orioles. I try not to take this personal because I don't like totally discredit what he's saying. I, I hate, I've always hated the tanking for picks type of thing mentality, but to try to pigeonhole this on just the Orioles, this is something that has been going on forever. This is not an Orioles thing. This is not new. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the, the Orioles have lost a few more games than some other teams have had in the past, but it doesn't mean that other teams haven't positioned themselves to have that number one overall pick because they're tanking for picks. 15 losing seasons. Yeah, we went through 15 losing seasons. Nothing like this, but we went through 15 losing seasons. Yeah. I, there were one or two that were like this for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I, I, I get what he's saying, though, right? It, it, you want to talk about competitive balance. You should be trying to field a team every year. You should be trying to field a team that is competitive. Yeah. And the problem that's the problem with any any team that's going through rebuild. To your point, it's not just the Orioles, but any team that's going through a rebuild it's the problem that you're not going to be competitive if you're rebuilding, you're just doing some stop gaps and you're putting guys on the roster, <coughs> Orioles, that shouldn't be there, right? We've been seeing it for the past three years. Right. How many times have we said, yeah, he should, he really shouldn't be here on any other team. He's he's probably in their, in their double or triple A. That's the problem that he's trying to address and say, like, you know, the, the players union can use teams like us right now in the fact that, yes, it's a rebuild, but the competitive balance shouldn't take three, four, five, six, seven years. Owners need to step up a little bit. If, I'm not saying you need to pay these guys like crazy because I think there should be a salary cap, but you got to do is. something. There it is. If you want this fixed, you have to implement a salary cap. You have to have a floor and you have to have a ceiling. That's how the NFL gets this right. Yeah. That is how the NFL is able to stay the way that they are. And we've been saying this for years, but it's never going to happen. Players unions will never they allow They will that never allow yeah. that to happen. And that's the shitty part about baseball. You talk about wanting to get fans back into the game. Well, the problem is it's the same seven or eight teams that are constantly in competition for a title because they're the teams in the big markets that can spend all the money. Occasionally, occasionally, you'll get a team that'll go through what the Orioles are going through right now, and then they'll come out on top, a la the Astros. Maybe there was a little cheating in there, too. But, <laughs> or you get the rare case of the Rays, who 
go through this cyclical cycle every five years of shit baseball for five, good baseball for five. Shit baseball for five, good baseball for five. But there's not many organizations out there that can do that. It's the cream of the crop, the guys that can spend $200 million plus a year on a payroll that can compete. And that's why a lot of these smaller market teams don't get the fan base support that they should get because their teams just can't compete. I would disagree on the Rays. I think they're out of that cyclical piece. They've been they've been competitive about every two years or so. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Too. All right, Joe. Honestly, I think Buster Only's a tool. Ha, thank you. <laughs> he you said a, it. He has a blue check mark next to his name. He's a national writer. He should know better because you can look at the Astros. The Royals have been bad for years. The Rays were bad for years. The A's were bad. Oh, and well, yes, he, Milwaukee, some of these teams have gotten out of that. But when I look at it, and I know where I'm skipping ahead, they have the number two farm system in, in the you know MLB right now. Yeah. They've never had that, even when they won all their championships with Palmer. Right. I don't think Palmer could ever say that he ever had the number two farm system. Right. And But the only way you get there, the only way that that is what they're doing is by stripping it down to the studs. You have to strip it down to the studs, and that's what the Orioles are doing right now is they're stripping it down to the studs. Could the Orioles spend – $100 million more in free agency and be a more competitive team than they are right now, 100%. Spending that $100 million more, is that going to bring them a World Series? No, because there's so many holes on this major league roster right now. You would have to be perfect with how you spent that $100 million to field, to go from where they're at now to being a potential World Series-type candidate with $100 million. It's not going to happen. I don't care how you spend that money. We've been there before. When we had the money, you know, we were spending it, what, just a few years ago, we were at like the 140 or $150 yeah. million. Now we're down to like 50, no, we're 55. Down, we're down to Chris Davis. Essentially, yeah. right. Yeah. It's Chris Davis's contract <laughs> that's eating up half of that $55 million. Speaking of Chris we're, Davis, we're, we're, transition. Uh, honestly, I just want to say one more thing. I... I remember watching the, you know, them losing 14 years. I'm like, this is never going to end. And then Buck and Dan showed up. I'm more excited now than I've ever been as a fan that I know the lights end in the tunnel. It's why they didn't trade Mullins. It's why they didn't trade Mancini or Means. They're closer than you think. And and, and I agree with big, that. They're going to give Mr. Buster only a big F you once they take to the World Series. And to your point, I think that's a big part of the reason that they went after college bats in this year's draft because they're more MLB. Ready faster. Re exactly. Ready faster. We're going to talk about a guy that's going to be ready faster, what too. What about DJ Stewart? Yeah. <laughs> How is he not DFA'd? Uh, anyway, so talking about Davis, uh, Davis announced this past week that he retired. Yeah. Uh, the one sad part about all this is we still got to pay him. He's we knew gonna, that that was inevitable uh, either exactly. way. To break it down, for those of you that don't remember, $23 million next year, $9.16 million each year for 2023, 2024, and 2025. And then between 2026 and 2032, he gets $3.5 a year. Oh, guys, and he gets $1.4 from 2033 to 2037. That's a total of $65 million that we still owe him. <laughs> he's going to be getting paid by the Orioles until he's like 57, I think, is the number that I saw. Chris Bonilla Davis. Essentially, <laughs> that's what this is going to be at this point. Um, but, you know, I, I did want to ask you a question because there's a lot of fans that are torn both ways. So I'm really curious to get this room. I think there might be a split here. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm curious, what is your take on Davis's legacy mm. in Baltimore? I think we're all going to have short term memories about how bad the contract was, yes. which isn't Chris Davis's fault. That's Peter Angelos' fault. Peter Angelos 
was the one who wanted to keep Dan Duquette, Peter Angelos. Yeah, yeah but Peter Angelos beat the door down to get Chris Davis here but and how, wanted to pay him over Nelson Cruz. How, 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 how in his too. right mind was Angelos? Let's, let's realize that now. Fair point, fair <laughs> point. But the point is, that's not Chris Davis's fault. No. And he played damn good baseball and put up ridiculous numbers for a four or five year stretch from about 2011 through 2016. In that time frame, I mean, he's he played 1,151 games, hit 253 home runs as an Oriole, yeah. was an all-star starter, a Silver Slugger Award winner, three-time Roberto Clemente nominee, which speaks more to the person than it does the player, which is another thing about Chris legacy, or yes. Chris's legacy that you have to remember, and finished in the top three of MVP voting that crazy year 13. In, put this into perspective, right? 2013. Okay. His best year as an Oriole. He hit 50-plus home runs, 40-plus doubles, and over 130 RBIs. That's only happened one other time in MLB history, and you know who that was? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. I knew that. He caught fire like Joe Flacco. Right. Point is. <laughs> point is. Have a straight face. That was great. Point that was is. Great. People are going to remember the shit years of Chris Davis, and rightfully so. You can't, you can't not remember how bad he he fell off a cliff, and it all started with the you know the Adderall thing. He had the approval on the Adderall, and then he didn't have it, and he was still using. Then he got busted. The whole thing, and then I, it became mental. It became mental for him, and it's sad. I, I honestly, I feel bad for the guy. I'm happy that like we can now put this to rest feel bad i do i feel bad for the guy because 170 million i feel bad for him from a mental standpoint not the money standpoint i, I that, feel bad for the mental because that's you know how taxing that is he went from a hero in the city to the villain and i mean he he couldn't go the out villain of all villains yeah he couldn't go outside he couldn't go shopping or anything without hearing people give him shit all the time like I just I feel bad for the guy from a mental standpoint. I don't feel bad for him from the money standpoint. He's, he's making feel, a ton of money. I don't feel bad for mental because when he went to uh, spring training, he was like, I'm not going to just anything. I'm going to just do me. That Okay, so if you're going to point out anything that's frustrating over this entire time about Chris Davis, for me, it was the lack of effort in adjustment. Like, Cal Ripken. Later in his career, yeah, had right? Like 80 stands. Yeah, he, he tried everything to get himself better when he was struggling at the plate. You never saw the adjustments. You heard about them. Yeah. Every <laughs> spring training, it was like fucking clockwork. Chris Davis, I was working on this. I was doing this. You're going to see this. You're going to see that. And then he'd come out in spring training. <laughs> actually come, and it was the same damn thing. It was like replay. What, I, I what, never understood there was that. that. One year where he said he worked out with like the hitting coach and the hitting cool. coach. Like, uh, I, I never seen him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I yeah, don't know. It, so I, there was the the question was posed on Twitter, and that's why I started looking at these stats and looking at the numbers because I you know I do remember the good years of Chris Davis. But the question was posed: Did he do enough? And is Chris Davis a Oriole Hall of Famer in your know. opinion? Yes. <laughs> From a number standpoint, I think so. Because the other thing you didn't mention, right? There were three years. He was runner-up for the gold glove at first base. Yeah. And as far as many Orioles fans and some national fans were concerned, he was robbed of that. I agree. So imagine taking those stats, you know, that you that you mentioned, all-star starter, silver slugger, three-time Roberto, Roberto Clemente award. Um, and let's talk about that for a second, right? 
the person. The, the person. Roberto Clemente it was all about the community. And that's one of the things that I I absolutely applaud with Chris Davis through everything. He you is, should have a pretty soft spot for this guy because it, it, it relates around animals, right? Dogs as well. well Does he do a lot for dogs? Dogs and, and kids, really, is what it, where he's been. He's, he's spent a ton of time. Most of it, he's, he's done some with dogs, but most of it is actually with children. Oh, okay. um, and it's with children, especially in the pediatric cancer ward. Um, they actually have, him and his wife donated a ton of money uh, the past two off-seasons. Uh, to the the children's uh, cancer fund and things yeah. like that. Um, so you know, I, I hats off to him. He is absolutely an ambassador for the sport in that sense because he really goes above and beyond. Um, you know, even during those rough times, he was still making visits to kids in yeah. hospitals and things like that. Say what you want about Davis, the player, but you can't question the the person. I, I got a no. question: By him retiring, does do you have to pay him next year, or you just he? Yes. Gets, oh yeah, his, that's what we were talking. Yeah. He's still going to make twenty three no, million dollars next year. Since he retired, he doesn't get paid next year's contract, but his offset money he gets. But I just thought, like, if he retired, no, because he because it was it was pretty much everything after this year was deferred money. So everything after this year was all deferred money off the contract. So at that point, you're. You're, you're handcuffed at that point. You you have to pay him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It, does it suck? Do I think he's an Orioles Hall of Famer? By the numbers, yes. Unfortunately, I, I think, I don't know. I know it's obviously the Orioles advocates who vote on the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Are they going to be swayed because he did so much during the early years, but then the later years it was a it was a serious serious struggle um, to the point that you know I think it actually hurts his chances uh, of actually making it because it's going to be fresh in people's minds. Um, I, I don't. It's kind of that that situation that it's, he's a great guy, but I, I don't know. I can't say with any surety he's going to get. In. I, I'd say sixty forty that he's a Orioles Hall of Famer. Guy Joe, what Scott, do you got you're, on this? you're totally wrong. He is. <laughs> He's definitely or a Hall of Famer. I think he is, but what I'm saying what? is, I let, don't know let him state his case. Let well, him state his case. Why? I, well, we're in agreement, but these Orioles advocate got to look at the whole picture. I mean, I guarantee you, some of the Orioles that are in the Hall of Fame, they're probably not the best person, or they've had struggles in their years. But the dude was dominant. I mean, yeah, I, I thought a lot about this, and you can remember the great, you can remember the bad, but you know what? I'm just gonna think about the good, just right. because. He brought winning baseball back to the Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, the, some of the home runs he hit were just majestical. And yep. in tw 2012 especially. But he didn't hit the warehouse. I, I, uh, he all, I swear <laughs> that guy. If anybody was, was going, going to, to it would have yeah. been him. You would have thought. It was him or Jay Gibbons. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, and I 100% I I agree with you because we just talked about it. We went through 15 years of utter shit baseball here in Baltimore, and he was the big piece in the turnaround yeah. uh, of that. And, and he gave us five years of upbeat, excitement, you know, jam-packed stadiums at the yard that we hadn't was seen in a long time. Right. He was, remember, remember him and Reynolds? The sheriff and the, the sheriff. sheriff. Yeah. You know, I, like, that's one of those things that people got to remember. They got to think back to it. We all rode that high, just like we all should be riding the lows. If you're not going to ride the lows, we all give him shit, but we respected him as a man. Right. And yeah. what he did and what he did do when he was successful. It does suck. Does it really suck that you? Yeah, you were figuring you weren't really appearing to do all that stuff or doing anything. Yeah, it, it does. But the one thing that, it's, that does kind of semi suck currently out of this situation is he was just on the IR. So you're not gaining a, a really a roster spot out of this no. by him by him retiring. You know, I. 
nothing really changes from a just, yeah, roster it, standpoint at it, all. It doesn't change anything. He wasn't coming back. It, it wasn't just. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, I think. I, I don't think they will or should because it's going to turn out ugly for him. I, I would. I would think that they should offer him to come out and at least come out to one la the last home stand just to say goodbye. Some, you're going to get booze. It's going to happen. I don't think he's it's not going to be in the Orioles Hall of Fame. I was just looking up. Basically, he played, played 10 years here. He had two great years. Two out of 10. Signing 50%. He batting, most of his batting average was like uh, batting 100. He had four years of batting 100. He averaged four 25 years home runs a year. 100. You better check your stats. I'm, I'm checking it right here. He had two good years. He had a... Uh, 2013 hit 53 and 2015 hit 47. You can give half of that to Adderall. So <laughs> yeah, but there's a year right. he had 35 he, and he hit another 20 plus. He had, yeah, he had 38. He hit 26. Nowadays, with the ball being juiced, he should he ain't be in the Hall of Fame. You can check. You can check. Uh, uh, we'll, see what we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, some other moves, you know, I talked about moves, some moves yeah. that happened really quickly. Uh, the Orioles option, Dustin Knight to Norfolk and they DFA Adam Plutko. Uh, Plutko got killed on Saturday. <laughs> Seven runs on five hits through two thirds of an inning just got killed. So they bring up uh, left handed pitcher Connor Wade and then they bring up right handed Fern uh, pitcher Fernando Abad, who we saw on Sunday. Right. Um, run differential the last four series has been horrific <laughs> since 8-2. That's, that's why you say, like, when you single out, you know, Plutko's not doing good, he's been bad. This entire roster <laughs> yeah. has been bad. Like, it's not just one guy. Yeah, run, di staff. run differential, 41-105. to 105. Yeah. It, it, Bullpen's getting killed because starting pitching can't get through more than five. It, it's just been, it's been bad. Let's but focus on something good. Let's focus on something good. You mean the one? The one good thing that's going on right now, and that was the 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 diamond I think that we found in the rough, the the Jorge Mateo picking him up uh, off waivers, waiver yeah. pickup. We talked about it last week. It Again, continues. this is a guy that that was a top 100 prospect in the Yankee in the Yankee system a few years back. I'm not saying he's the next coming or anything, but I think he can find a role in this roster, and he's still young enough that with the right tutelage and you know in the right. Change, you know, like I said, some te some team players just need a change of scenery, and this could be it for this guy because he's playing well. He, he hit safely in six straight games in Boston alone. He hit four for twelve with two doubles and three Ks. Yeah, not bad numbers to to have. Um, the one thing that I, I I think is interesting is we're seeing the inexperience really show on this team. Mm. And it was interesting because your boy, uh, Eduardo, uh, oh, I'm sorry, his name's Rich Dubroff. Um, <laughs> oh, it's not Eduardo? No, it's not Eduardo. It's Rich Dubroff. Rich Dubroff actually asked a question post game on Sunday asking Hyde about, you know, the real struggles of really not being able to make contact. Take a listen to what Hyde had to say. I, I just see that how much, diff, you know, how much better we have to get in our, in our strike zone discipline. Um, and you watch them compared to us, they're hitters and they're more experienced and they're have a bunch of guys that have been in postseasons and have won a lot of games. But there's just a level of understanding the strike zone, understanding what pitchers are trying to do, not chase, not let pitchers off the hook. Um, you know, it's like that inning with a bad, a bad guys got squeezed. There's no doubt about it. Um, but they weren't swinging on balls on the edges. We're continuing to get them. And we just, we don't, we have a tough time having innings like that just because we are, we, we're in swing mode, and good pitchers can can pitch to that. 
You know, that's one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about for a quick second. Runners in scoring position with two outs. This team is batting 222. Rough. When we have, when we're within one run, we're hitting 450. We have 454 strikeouts. We're within two runs, 609 strikeouts. We're within three runs, 702. Within four runs, 796 strikeouts when you're down by four runs. You know what that tells me? They're trying to fucking They're hard. pressing. That's exactly They're pressing. Right. And it's interesting because they actually went on uh, to somebody else asked him a question about that. And is it this youth trying too hard to try to come back? And here's what Hyde had to say. I, I think so a little bit. Yeah, I think guys are trying to do guys are trying to get the big hit and try to maybe do a little too much at times. Um, because, yeah, this is not easy. Once again, um, it's frustrating for everybody. And we're. We're trying. We're playing from behind almost on a nightly basis, and that's and that's hard to do. And uh, <laughs> um, you know, we're not scoring many runs, and you know, we're having a tough time on the mound a little bit. And so, uh, I think that you start seeing some. Uh, you know, the bats kind of get away from us at times. It sounds it like didn't... a manager that's like running out of excuses at this point. <laughs> he's had 12 losses and he's had to come up with excuses in a row that he just has nothing I mean, left. I mean, think about this. When we're ahead, we have a, we score 181 uh, runs. When we're behind, we score 188. That's a difference of seven. <laughs> seven for the season. Yeah, it's, it's bad, guys. That's how bad this is. It's just home runs. We try too hard. We, we're, we're hitting some of them, but we're trying way too hard with them. And the other big number that I just thought was interesting, when we're down by three or four runs, take a listen to this. We hit in between three and four runs, between those two stats, 105 ground ball double plays <laughs> you know it's funny because i don't watch every game but i do watch a lot and i feel you like, always tune in at that point and i feel like every time <laughs> i watch there's a double play to end an inning any kind of rally that we have going i'm like yeah it's gonna end in a double play sure enough double yeah, play exactly so it is. Uh, i want to drop us down by the farm real quick because there's a few things going on with the farm system that i think are really good and we have to touch on really quick yeah let's go down this quick so one i know a lot of our question marks out there have been the the, the manny machado trade and the pieces that we got back and Manny and when are we going to see these guys come through Ryland Bannon was a big piece of that he was supposed to be the third baseman of the future came over here he had been struggling to get you know up in Couldn't the system Could, yeah right just hadn't been hitting the ball very well well he was just named a triple a player of the week in five games of this slashed 500 632 on base percentage 1643 slugging 2.275 OPS he was seven for 14 Five home runs, nine RBIs, and six runs. It's a hell of a week for that kid. Hell of That's a week. That's a good sign. And the other, the other guy that I think is a guy that you should watch, maybe coming up in September. I think, I think we could potentially see this kid. I definitely would love to see him. It's Kyle Bradish, yeah. right? Kyle Bradish Sunday threw a shutout two hitter through five, seventy six pitches total. Fifty of them were strikes. He had seven Ks in that in that route. He is now through fifty eight innings pitch and thirteen starts at Norfolk, four three four ERA, seventy one Ks. Little while with thirty one walks, 
28 earned runs. His whip is a little high at 1.53, but his opponent's batting average is only 253. It's not like they're killing this kid. It's right. average, but it's a guy that you need to come in, come in. Let him come in. He could be a good back of the rotation type type pitcher because you have some of these other guys that are coming up that could wind up being your front of the rotation type pitchers. And with this guy, he could wind up moving into that middle rotation type. Role. I, I definitely want to see him up here in September to get a little bit of a sample size. Uh, let's do a quick Adley update. Uh, it's gotten off to an all right start so far in Triple A. He came out red hot out of the gates yeah. uh, but so far he's hitting 381 still great average five rbis two doubles a walk uh even has a stolen base which you don't think of him in speed very okay. much i'll take it uh but so far again in the uh 21 at bats only three k's some were saying they were kind of worried about him going one for four on you know a couple days ago yeah, the and then the 04 on sunday Give it a give it a rest. Like the kid's gonna have ups and downs. He's not going to hit two for four or four for four every game. Relax. He is still the best prospect in baseball. He is the future cornerstone of this franchise. He's still a two. He's hitting three eighty one right now. Yeah. It's his, his sample size. He'll be fine. Yeah, it's exactly what you want to see. Uh, and then the last thing I want to touch on: credit to James for reposting this this week. Uh, Mass and Orioles writer Steve Molesky has his eye on a guy that he thinks could be in this cl- in the club this year. And here's the kicker, Fred. You want to know where he started? Where? Aberdeen. Okay. His name is Felix Bautista. He's a 26-year-old out of Santa Domingo, Domingo, Dominican Republic. This kid's 6'5", 190 pounds. He is lean. He is a beanpole, but he can whip that arm because this kid can throw. He's been in the system since 2016. He was originally signed by the Marlins uh, back in November of 2012. They released him in January 2015. So he's 26 years old. Not bad. He's throwing 100 miles an hour multiple times this year. He's, he's been clocked at 100. That's good. Here's the better numbers. This year, overall, three levels. Aberdeen, Bowie, now Norfolk. He's got a .84 ERA. Wow. He's given up nine hits through 31 and two-thirds innings. He started the year in Aberdeen. With oh, he was 0 and 2 in his record, but he had a 1.2 ERA. So he's got in better. one game, it's gotten better. Right, June 25th, he's promoted to Bowie. He goes 0 and 1, eh, but a 0.68 ERA. This week, he moved up to Triple A Norfolk. He's pitched three innings. He has a zero ERA. Here's the thing: this guy's got to be protected from the Rule Five draft in December. Mm. You've got to do something. The only way to do that is put him on the forty man. Put him on the forty man. Exactly. The big catch here is he's got some command issues. Through thirty-one and two-thirds that I mentioned, twenty-three walks, but that comes with fifty-seven Ks. That's good. That's a six-point-five-four walk rate and a sixteen-point-two K rate. And here's the other kicker: per nine innings, per nine. 2.56 2.56 hits. Yeah. That's it. Those are impressive, that's impressive numbers. Yeah, that's a kid that you want to keep an Credit eye on. Thanks for bringing that out. I saw that on your Facebook, and I was like, we got to talk about that this. That sounds for a like a good back of the rotation or back of the uh, bullpen kind of guy, a guy that you want that could bring in that extra heat. Future uh, setup man, future closer. There's the a brakes. lot of things that could <laughs> be happening. Brakes. We thought the same thing about Tanner Scott. We see where that is right now. We'll see. But so far, what we're hearing, things are going good with this kid. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff. Yep. All right, guys, time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what is Jerry and the crew got us sipping on today? So this week, it was actually out of the the draft. Um, This one is from Dewey Beer Company. 
This is their double IPA called Nature's Canteen. When I had when I heard that name, I got a little worried. Because <laughs> sometimes when you have to go, you pee in the canteen. Oh, okay. Oh, when you gotta go. I see where you're going. <laughs> but put that down. Over <laughs> <here>. <laughs> but this stuff is actually pretty good. It's eight uh, percent. It's brewed with Galaxy Strata and Common Hops. Uh, they say filling your glass with soaked peaches and dank citrus from a wild spring. Um, this is something that was actually pretty good. I wasn't sure. It was between this and a sour uh, this week. He gave me the, the, the taste. And good I choice. Figured, figured you wouldn't take the sour. Good choice. Uh, but he did tell me to make sure to let the fans out there know, anybody that lives, especially if you're in the Hartford County area and you're looking to make some extra buck and get a good discount, they are looking for staff at uh, the liquor stop because they're they're a little understaffed. Some kids graduating and go, you know starting to go off to college and everything. Um, so make sure you go up there. Let them know Birdly and BS sent you. You wind up getting a pretty good discount. He said. Yeah. Uh, but go up there, have that stuff. The other thing I, I had to to point out was the fact that we've got some other brews this week that he hooked us up with. Uh, they're actually I think are going to be wind up being pretty good. Um, and he did say. Make sure you tell him that you came up to see or that you came from us because he's going to make sure he's the one that's been there. He's going to make sure you get that 10% off. All right, fellas, it's time for this week's rundown. Woo! And uh, Scott, I'll let you lead this week's topic off because I know you were talking about this pre-show and and, and this is something that tugged at the heartstrings for both you and I. Uh, how'd that Field of Dreams yeah, game go? Field of Dreams game, man. That was it was so great. Everything about it, right? Pre-game, freaking awesome. I love the outfits. Did you guys see the uh, the A Rod, Poppy, KB, Frank Thomas? That thing? was the only part I thought was. It stupid. was corny, but it was funny. It was corny. Stupid. It was, was funny. It was I funny, like it. corny. Like it was pretty good. I, I love the Poppy. I, you I, Yankee. Yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> him coming out and be like. You want to have a catch with me? <laughs> you still a Yankee. That ain't gonna happen, <laughs> right? I loved it. Uh, the the Costner intro, um, him walking out. Honestly, still thinking about it. Yeah. Co- Kevin Costner is a great actor when it comes to situational and coming out. I I actually started to tear up. Uh, my son, I got to tell the quick story. My son had went to go upstairs to get a bath and saw that I was I turned on a game and. He asked what it was. So I said, this is this is a game that they play out in a cornfield. You guys know why. He loves freaking corn. Yeah. He, loves, he loves farming, like all that type of stuff. So he got really interested. And then they they kind of he said, Well, where where are the players? I said, Well, just watch. Let's see. And so it was a moment for me and him, you know, that really That's tugged cool. at me and got me going. That's cool. Um the timing. Like of Kevin Costner and the movements with the music. Yeah. Um, the time of day. Down to the time of day was yeah, perfect. It was beautiful. It was perfect timing. It was Could beautiful. Could have been better weather. No, better better weather would have been, um, it didn't rain the day before. That's it. <laughs> like, that's it. Um, player intros, they, uh, they literally appeared. The way the camera angles were set up, how thick the corn was, they appeared out of the corn. I have chills talking about it. I had chills watching it. Yeah. Wow, it was great. The game itself, back and forth. Home runs galore, which was was great, entertaining to see, um, and then the ending. Could you write another movie, movie I'm or storybook you, ending? That's, that's how movies are written. Short, endings like that. Shortstop Tim Anderson hitting a two-run walk off into the corn. 
you know, jumping around the bases, coming in, like pumping up his yeah. team. And and White Sox are arguably one of the best teams in MLB right now. Right. So, you know, it just goes to show you the momentum that they're on. Can you imagine the, how much that ball is worth? Yeah, no, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. MLB pregame did commit to doing another year. That's great. So many questions about that. Here's my quick take and hashtag predictions. I'm going to give you what actually happened because we found out this morning. And if you didn't know, you're going to find out. They said, should the teams, you know, should they stay with the same teams or next year? You know, what do they do? I said next year, my prediction was they go with the Cardinals and the Cubs. That's what I thought makes sense. Sticking with the old teams, you keep it played during that old time. Give it that feel, right? That's kind of where I thought. Um, They actually wound up announcing that it's going to be the Cubs and the Reds August 11th. We got the date. So that's where it's going to be. The one thing I did think. I'd like to see the series played on this field. I think it's bad that the players have to travel and then travel back and then travel back, right? Yeah, so, so you're saying if like a three-game yeah, series. Just do, just just do the series. Help out the community. They would probably love it and enjoy it, especially if it's only one series a year. Right. They, they're going to embrace it, guaranteed at that point. Go ahead, James. Oh, I thought you had some. I'm just saying, like, I, I wish they would pick the better series than the Cubs-Reds. Like, For next year, you mean? Yeah, well, Cubs that's after awful. the Cubs just dumped everything. But what they're trying to do is you got to get the, the they're trying to get some of the local. You saw the the cheers for the Chicago the White Sox because there were so many White Sox fans that were there. Done, they should have done Cubs Red Sox. I I, th- I said it, I I actually thought it again it should be Cubs Cardinals because the Cardinals you can go right up there too right it's not that far off so we'll see what happens yeah. with it. Um, I I do think sh- that you know people are asking should there be more more than one a year. The thought what I, is exactly what happened. I thought they were going to do American League, National League, American League, National League if they continue to commit. I think you do two series a year. You do. I think it becomes watered down at that point. I, I, if you do it, too okay, much. If you, if you don't go with the series, then I think you do two games a year. You do one American League, one National League. You could do that, and that's, it, that doesn't become watered down. Right, that down, doesn't become watered down at that point, and you can rotate the I feel the like teams. this has that same kind of vibe like the you know with the, the hockey game that they do outside in the arenas and stuff where they do it outdoors instead of it being in the, you know, in the arena. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of how this similar vibe. But this is just really well done, and again, it would have been disappointing if this would have just MLB. been a boring baseball game. But to go through everything that they went through, all the home runs, the the, the dramatic ending, man, it, it couldn't have been the a, beginning, the a, ending, the the uh, the you know John Smoltz. And a guy they're not going to be able to one up this. My point is, no. this was the first game, and this is going to be the best game of this series because they'll never I, be able to redo. I this. don't know if you heard, but Kevin Costner, his like best friend, is the guy that designed the stadium. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. And Kevin Costner was like. You knew about this and then tell me about it. <laughs> His buddy so, kept it a secret from him, yeah. Secret. All right, well, staying with Dream Games, how about the story of Tyler Gilbert? Oh, is this an Arizona guy? Yeah, 27-year-old oh. pitcher for the Diamondbacks, who over his previous three seasons was a relief pitcher, made his Major League debut as a reliever, pitching in three games for, the Ari- for Arizona this season. But then they gave him his first start on Saturday – and what does he do against the Padres, arguably, teams. arguably the best team in, in the, the National, National League, League right yeah. now? No hits the Padres. Uh, it's just, again, you talk about storybook endings, you know, dream type of games, man. Had to been a really, really cool moment. You saw his father overwhelmed with emotions in the stands. And they kept going back and forth to the camera uh, angles of him. Wasn't just a really, really, close really to cool a perfect moment. game, too. Yeah, it was close. It was close to a perfect game. I don't remember how many, uh, how many walks he had, but either way. Uh, just to be able to pitch a no-hitter in your first major league start. (laughs) 
And this, again, this isn't a guy that was like a highly rated prospect or anything. And to do it against a team like the Padres. So many bats on that team to not even get a hit. That's just, that's one of the things that when you see a young arm like that, do that in his freaking debut, man. God damn, I'm, I'd be curious to see what this kid winds up doing in the long run. Yeah, uh, pretty impressive. James, what do you got for us this week? Uh, mine is uh, Liam Messe uh, uh, had to leave Barcelona, not due to contract. It was more about financial. Uh, they didn't have the money to pay for him. And the sad Yeah, they part pay is, him like half a billion a year or some shit like that. It's ridiculous. And the sad part is he played 17 years with them. He, he like basically, like, as a young team, you go over there, and you, he was in their camp, so he like brought up in their farm system over there. He's like, you know, almost like family, and he even took less money to stay with them, and they still couldn't afford to pay him. So he uh, found a new home with PSG. He got a two years with a with a third year option. And he's getting like forty one million uh, a year. Um, Can I sold, make that much at his age? Uh, <laughs> when they released it, they sold. Uh, 400 million euros, which is about like $30 million in um, jersey sales the first day. Wow. You said 400 million euros? No, no, 40 million euros. Oh, that's just 400. I was like, that's like 300 million dollars. Jesus. 40 million euros, which is about like 25, 30 million uh, US dollars. So they basically paid him his first year with his jersey sale. By the way, I just looked it up. Gilbert, it was three walks and they were all. All to fam, Tommy fam. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's wow. crazy. All right, Joe, what do you got for us this week over on Casting I'll, Couch? I'll make it quick. Hey, um, that, that poll's working out very well in your favor. Wow, right, 2.4 think... million to, for Joe? <laughs> Oof. We might need to. My hat Drew's got, 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 um, got, 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 got yelled at, the, too. Drew's going to make a comeback. <laughs> Drew's going to make a comeback. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. What that's do you what got, she said. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Hornus Ragnar card went to auction the other day. Six point six million dollars for a baseball card. It's the second Jesus time that thing set a record. Which is, I mean, I remember collecting cards as a kid, and I still have some. I don't know if they're worth anything. I can't believe that. Like, even you hear with the market, you can't find baseball cards, football cards, or whatever it is. It's just, it's crazy to think a, a piece of paper. I think like this big. It's not even like a regular size baseball card because it was so, so old, sold for that much. There is nothing more than a uh, of a dick measuring contest than spending <laughs> that kind of money on a baseball card. What are you doing with that baseball card? It is literally sitting either in a safe or in some kind of enclosed no, like. It's, it's a plexiglass sitting like in the middle of your like bedroom, going yeah. Just fucking hovering. <laughs> like there's nothing. It's just suspended in air. Like that's the only thing that makes. What are you doing with that six points? something million dollars for a piece of cardboard it's like a comic book suit. fred when you have that much money sometimes you just don't know what to do with my it. brain can't process that <laughs> exactly. at all that's exactly. <laughs> just ridiculous no rules no boundaries you want to i'll start this week 30 seconds each it's time for the two-minute warning. No! <laughs> I don't know what's I was, happening. I was trying to flip cameras because Joe was over there doing it. Thank God I don't have epilepsy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, and I apologize to anybody who does out there. I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, guys. It's time for the two-minute warning. 
Who's reading the first question for us? I got to read them both. I got, I got Joe's got it. Right. Right. James, I'll start. James is tired over there. All right. Too much work. <laughs> All right. Time to get some Terps in. Yeah. Thoughts on uh, Mike Loxley's quarterback, uh, Talia Tagovailoa. There you go. And the Terps football using the broadcast for the Ravens game to add a walk-on for, like, scholarship. You know how they everyone's got that big yeah. thing now. So. <laughs> I, no, I, I like this. Uh, you're seeing this a lot with uh, football programs and different college programs, unique ways and creative ways to, you know, surprise uh, that that's that last scholarship guy, somebody who hadn't been on scholarship before. And uh, I mean, this is you're talking life changing for a kid. I think yeah. it's really cool. This is now kind of becoming a tradition for Loxley because he did it last year at Raven Stadium. I'm for it. Yeah, it's definitely a tradition for them. I think obviously the, the, the people that don't understand the situation behind it is the, the guy that he gave it to was Shalom Falamatu. Uh, this guy is is another one of the other two Hawaiian players on the team. Yep. Tagovailoa is obviously Hawaiian. So the fact that he goes out there, he gets to be the one to tell him and it's, and it's uh, Shalom's senior year. It was a big moment. And I I give him credit. Utilize it. Great situation. Great platform. I loved it. Yeah, I got you. What do you got, All right, uh, Fox posted this question. Should there be a mercy rule in MLB? So uh, does the game end after someone's leading by 10 runs after seven innings? <laughs> no, this is terrible for baseball and on many levels. This goes back to what we were just talking about, like how people have issues with tanking and stuff like that. If you give a team an out, like, hey, all we got to do is be down by 10 runs. If we're already seven runs down in the fifth inning and we don't think we're going to come back. Well, let's just give up three and call it a day. Yeah. You're going to see tanking left and right. This is dumb for baseball. I, I, I don't disagree, but it's the thing is, is it's just as dumb as when you decided double header, seven innings, right? It's, it's <laughs> okay. just as dumb in that sense. So that's where I look at it and go, if you were willing to try that, I don't see them not be willing to entertain this idea and say, you know, look, let's save the guys. The guys that are going to have the problem are going to be some of your, your relief pitchers who maybe are getting chances, especially the younger guys, but your older guys, your closers, they're not, unless they are, or they're set to get in there to get some, some workout done. They're not going to have a problem with it. So uh, that's, I don't know. that's a valid point. It's a valid point. All right, good show, fellas. Uh, Drew, hope you home, gets home safe. Ryan, I hope you don't get COVID. Uh, <laughs> hope everybody in the household is doing well. Uh, sign us out, Scott. Yeah, man, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. Uh, obviously, you can check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes. You can get yourself some Birdland BS gear. Make sure you go check it out. You can check out the new Shell and Tell podcast, which will be coming out. I think you guys said you're recording this coming week. Uh, we're virtually. recording tomorrow. So, yeah. all right, there you go. So, hopefully, look out for that. Uh, also, make sure you check us out on all of our social media pages. At Birdland BS is how you find us. You can find us on on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, wherever you, you check out and you're on your social media. We are there. If we're not, let us know. I don't know if there's many other social media platforms. Uh, make sure if you want your comment heard to let us know. Reach out to us. Uh, Craig Zero, I know that you've you sent us stuff before. We try to also include the comments in there. For those of you that have also asked, if you didn't see it down the bottom, the ticker has how you are able to donate to the show. We appreciate donations. We don't ask for definitely. them. But Thank you those, again, Stephanie. Those that do, uh, we definitely appreciate it because it helps to just really go to this production. We really don't make a profit off this thing. This is fun no. for us. We love doing it for you guys. So. Appreciate everybody that does. Uh, make sure you also, if you want to check us out on all of our, uh, all the podcast platforms, obviously we are a show, but we keep the audio version of the show on the podcast platform. So Google Podcasts, Apple Play, Spotify, wherever you listen, we're there. Make sure you go check us out. So for Fred, 
James Joe. I almost said Drew. Oh, Drew. <laughs> Drew, Drew on vacation. Drew on vacation. Ryan and I here. We'll see you guys all next week. 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. See ya. See ya. See ya.